give uh, Mark Petter a great welcome this morning as he comes. Thank you, guys. You have served well. You may be somewhere else. How are we doing? Thanks, man. Happy to be in church. I can absolutely assure you, categorically, 110%, this is going to be, without doubt, the best message you have heard today. Today, of course. That's unless you've come from another church, and then I'm challenged because I'm in competition with someone, but I will win anyway. Uh, so even though, so I'm Mark, for those of you who haven't met me, um, I'm usually sort of this obnoxious, it's just what you get. So you may have met me on the door this morning because I seem to take over the door. You go to churches these days, some churches, and a lot of them have that silly green room thing. Who's ever heard of that? You got a little green room, you go into the big city churches and it's where all the big wigs go and eat chocolates and fruit and drink nice coffee and whatnot until it's their time to shine. Rubbish, I hate it with a passion. Um, so I, I will invade the green room, steal a few Tim Tams and then as soon as the senior pastor's not looking, I'm out and I'm planting on, on the door. So I've greeted people in some of the most amazing churches all around Australia and different parts of the world. I, even in Denmark, I get myself onto the door. I don't even speak Danish, of course, but a smile and a handshake and newbies just think you're part of the team. It's great. So, uh, so this morning, I'm not actually talking about us at all and what we do in the Philippines. Hence, that's why this is up there. Uh, John 14, 12 is the, the name of our ministry. The, the blog there is where all the updates for our ministry go. Uh, and so if you're interested, if you're interested... Take note of that. Go and have a look at what we do yourself. Um, pray for us, send some money, but more importantly, let it expire, inspire you to actually do something yourself. Amen. Uh, it's great to see what someone else is doing, um, but I want to come back one day and see what you're doing. Amen. Last night, we had a, we had a missions dinner here uh, last night, and some people attended. The food was absolutely delicious, so if you didn't come, sucks to be you, because it was absolutely awesome. Um, we had a great preacher, a great speaker there last night. Oh, that was me. That was me. Um, but I, I posed a question last night, because I am going to talk about missions. But I, I'm not really going to talk about missions. I'm going to talk about the mission. And I'm going to connect the mission to the concept in the word disciple or discipleship, right? So last night I, I asked a question. And I asked the question, what's a missionary? Now, of course, I'm not actually wanting you to answer that, but I mean, we'd have a billion different definitions even right here in this room as to what a missionary is. But the reality is a missionary is somebody who lives life with a sense of mission. Yeah, very oversimplified. Uh, it's got nothing connected to geography. It's got actually very little connected to, to genuine call or gifting. It's just a, it's, a, it's an attitude. It's a revelationary understanding. Wow, I'm living my life on a mission. So a missionary is a person who lives life with a mission. That's what a missionary is. So then another question that I didn't ask last night, but it's very similar, is who's a missionary? Should be every single Christian on the planet. Whether you go to Upper Mongolia, whether you're pastoring a church, whether you're running a small group, whether you're on the stage, off the stage, in the backyard, out the back of Burke, it doesn't really matter. Every single Christian should be living their life with a sense of mission, which might look radically different to everyone else on the planet. But birds fly, fish swim, do what you do, right? So, so realistically, if you look at, if you look at missionary, a, a, look at a missionary or mission like that, no one can dodge that bullet. 
You can come up with as many theological arguments as you want. You can challenge me with as many scriptures as you want. Go hard, wasting your time. You'll talk until you're dead because you cannot dodge that bullet if you call yourself a Christian. We all should be living life with a sense of mission. How that outworks, totally between you and God. Nothing to do with me. No comparison to anyone else. It might mean you lead one person to Jesus in your life, disciple them. It might mean you, you lead a million and start a movement. Who cares? It's the attitude and the focus. Hey, I'm here for a purpose and I'm living my life with a sense of mission. So today, I am not the missionary. We are the missionaries. Amen? We are. Believe it or not, we are. And, and today, what I want to do, hopefully is just inspire and encourage you and combine. I wanna, we're going to look at the mission from probably an unusual book. If you start talking about mission or missions, there's, there's a few go-to chapters in the Bible, a few go-to verses that everyone would know, the automatics. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull apart a book of the Bible that is probably not usually seen as a missionary or even a discipleship type of book. And, and, and we're just going to... We're just going to wander through the Word a little bit and, and just ponder some things. And I, I want to inspire and encourage you with A, what you're already doing, or with B, what you're about to do. Because if, if, let's just do a, I need a, I need a little bit of um, feedback now. So if you're, actually, if you're actually technically some sort of leader in this church, stick your hand up, please. Right up high, don't be shy. Awesome. So good. Great to have you here. But for everyone that didn't stick your hand out, do you know that you outnumber them? You outnumber them. So if you didn't stick your hand up, no, no, no condemnation on you for not sticking your hand up. Uh, you've got some visitors here, whatever. But if you didn't stick your hand up, and if you regularly attend this church and you're expecting those few to do everything and change the world, you've got rocks in your head because you outnumber them. So if we were doing a tag team event, I know whose side I'd want to be on, and it's not the leaders. We're going to jump in the other crowd, and we're going to win. And if it became like a, a fight thing, leaders against everyone else in the congregation, I'm going with everyone else in the congregation because we've got the weight of numbers. So if we want to actually see stuff significantly begin to shift, either in our own personal life, our own personal ministry, in the area, in the region, in the world, hey, there's more responsibility on the people that didn't put their hands up than on the people that did because they're outnumbered. Amen? So my, my purpose today is to sort of inspire, energize, uh, challenge everyone, even the people that put their hands up. Let's get up. Let's get running. Let's get active. If we're doing something, let's do it more. Let's do it different. Let's do it better. Let's, let's learn. Let's live. Let's lead. Let's just bust the world open and advance the kingdom. That's the point of today. Amen? I think that would be a good plan for the afternoon, really, wouldn't it? Got nothing else to do after lunch. So open up your Bibles. We are going to... Um, spend all of our time in 2 Timothy, which, as I said, is probably an unusual uh, missionary book. And I've got to get my old man glasses out. I'm 49, so I've realized to all the young people you think I'm old and to all of the old people you think I'm young. So who, who cares about age? Age is an attitude. It's has very little relevance. It just has very little relevance. So 2 Corinthians. Oh, second, what did I say? 2 Timothy. I can't even find that in my Bible. I've worn it out, opened it up too much. We're going to base out of one scripture, and realistically, I only need to actually preach or teach out of this one particular verse. 
But, but who knows that you, if you do that, you'll often get yourself in trouble in the Word because stuff needs to be taken in context, yeah? And it's nice to read the Word, but it's actually, it's really good to just sort of park and just wander around the Word and just to dig a little bit because you can so easily, it doesn't matter who you are, you can so easily take a single thing out of context and mess things up for yourself or mess some things up for other people. So I'd really like just to park in... in um, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, but to give us a more thorough understanding of that, we are actually going to wander through the majority of the book. But let's just read this and, and get our foundation. So again, as I said earlier, we are connecting the mission to discipleship, and we're going to do it through this book. So, verse 2, chapter 2, verse 2, uh, And the things that you have heard from me, among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. The main point that I want you to, to pick up this morning is that, that chain, that unending loop, that chain of discipleship via genuine relationships. Paul is speaking to Timothy and he says, the things you have learned from me, so from me to you, I want you to teach to faithful men who will teach to others and you could realistically start adding that ad nauseum who will teach who will teach who will teach and the thing the ball gets some momentum and it just theoretically this this is not supposed to break down this chain of what I receive yes I receive it for me it's going to bless me it's going to bless my family it's going to bless my finances but 99% of what I get is for someone else. I get it, I digest it, I, I, I make it work, get some fruit, runs on the board, and then my job is to pass that ball, right? It's to pass that ball. And every single one of us needs to understand that you need to be involved in that chain. The challenge is that for many Christians, it doesn't matter what part of the world you are, for many Christians, they receive stuff and it stops with them. Well, that's not how the thing works. That's not how the thing works. The things that you have received from me teach to faithful men who will teach to faithful men. So if the things that you're getting and the revelations and the understanding and the maturity that you think you've got, if it's not getting past you, you are messing up the system. And you can't expect anything to happen. You can't expect fruit if you're breaking the chain. Just, it's just not going to happen. And you'll be frustrated for the rest of your life wondering why, 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 why. Here's a reality. You can only carry so much stuff. You can only carry so much stuff. So if you're being fed good, solid Christian teaching theology, you're getting stuff from God, wow, it's just pouring like a river into your life. If you're just getting fed but it's never going on, you can only carry so much stuff. You've got to pass stuff on and that makes room for something new. Amen. So you can't, you can't be the stopper. You can't be the stopper. You've come to church this morning, awesome, so good, not my church, so if I offend you, not my issue. But if you're here, you should be part of this process. You've got to be connected in really solidly to, to someone. doesn't have to be Pastor Rob, could be someone else, could be, I don't know the systems you have in your church. You've got to be connected really solidly somewhere so that you're getting stuff poured into you. That can come from multiple sources multiple but you've got to be you've got to be fed in and you've got to be getting stuff and that stuff's got to be going out and you've got to be encouraging the people that you're putting it into to put it into others you've got to understand the importance of you in this church even as a visitor we've got visitors popped in from doing caravan and around the world around australia 
So even them, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. You've got to be part of the chain. You've got to understand that you're a link in the process, and it's really, really important that stuff gets past you. And that's, that's your discipleship. You are receiving discipleship so that you can disciple others. Amen? And if you don't disciple others, it doesn't get done because you've stopped it. It's not how it works. And even if you just look in the first, just stay on this first page of Timothy, you, you go back to, um, to chapter 1, uh, verse 5, and, and we're just pulling random verses out, right? But we are doing it in the context of the whole book, so we're going to be safe. And so verse 5 says, When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. So even there, from before Paul's time and before Paul's influence in Timothy's life, we, we've, had, we've had granny and we had mum, and they've been putting in faith to the boy, and then the boy's connected to Paul, and Paul's just taken it up another level or taken it off in another direction. But again, even there, you see that chain thing. You see it. And, and then you, um, chapter 1, verse 13 Paul says once again, hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me. Me. So again, Paul is clearly expecting that whatever is happening in Timothy's life, whatever has been put in by past generations and past people, whatever got put in by the former pastor, whatever got put in at the other church you were at, whatever got put in now through Paul, Paul is saying, hey, look at me, look at the patterns, now we've got to propagate the pattern. Amen? And we're all responsible for that. And it can't stop with me. Whatever it is, because that's, that's actually not the point. Now, is that good so far? So we are all missionaries. We are either links in this chain, or today we are going to become links in this chain. Amen? And for, for many of us, it's not necessarily an issue of becoming a link in the chain. It's about taking the plug out so it gets passed you to someone else. Because most of you are already in the system. What have we got to do is get through you, so that you then become a person that encourages other people into the system. And it's, it just, let's just get this thing rolling and then just get out of the way so it doesn't squash you because that's what happens. So let's go back to, um, to chapter 2. So the things you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Find your space in that. Don't ever lose your space. Don't ever leave it. Keep your space. Verse 4. Uh, verse 3, therefore you must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You don't, you don't particularly enjoy that, but it's just part of the package. And the word endure there is, is more, it's not really, the word endure would actually be better translated share in. Share in. Endure still works, but share in. And see, we all know, if you know anything about Paul, you know he suffered some stuff, right? It wasn't all miracle signs and wonders and glory dust stuff. You know, he suffered some stuff. And, and Paul is actually using his example in the pattern of his life, and he's actually encouraging Timothy to share in his sufferings. So not to avoid them thinking that there's something dastardly and devilish, but to actually understand they're part of the process. They're part of the process. And, and sometimes people um, sort of shy away from ministry because we don't like some of the negative stuff that may come our way. We'll suck it up. That's just part of life. Suck it up. Suck it up. Anyone that's done anything before you in the Christian world just learned how to walk through it and endure it. So 
to say enjoy it, that's a bit like sadistic, but you know, do whatever, just suck it up. It comes. And it doesn't come as bad as we think. We magnify things, well, I can't do that because, because, because. You know, the because usually never happens. Never happens. It's just we make it up, a figment of our imagination. So Paul's encouraging Timothy to, to share in him with some hardships. They, hardships don't kill us, they're great. They're awesome. You don't want to live in them 24-7 or you, someone else can for you, but you, some hardships are good things. They, they knock the edges off. They challenge you to pray. They challenge you to fast. They, they make you dig wells that you didn't know you needed to dig. Get some hardships going, and they're going to come just by getting up and running with the things of Jesus in your life. They're just part of the package. I love the fact that uh, somewhere Paul says, a great and effective door for ministry is open for me, and there's many adversaries. It was so off the cuff, and. He wasn't saying, but. You know, he just said, oh, great and effective door for ministry is open. Oh, there's a few problems. We just got to walk through them, part of the doorway opening. So we've got to learn to do that. Stop being so precious and just take some blows. You won't die. So then, so you must endure some hardships as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him. Notice there's not really a voluntary service there. You, it's, there's an enlistment process, and it's not for, you know, take it the right way. It's not just to sit in church and enjoy it. We're, we're actually called into some form of activity that's a little bit vigorous, and it's a little bit serious, and it's, we're not looking for volunteers. You're conscripted. You're in. The only way you get out is get out of the church. Go somewhere else. You backslide. That's it, because you're in. Biblically, you're in. You're in. When you're in, you're in. That's it. So no one engaged in warfare entangles himself in the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. That's interesting because mostly we don't like rules. We complain when we get a speeding fine, but we got a speeding fine because we sped. And that's a rule. Might that be a preferable one? It's there. And the only way you change that is get into politics and let's get to 130 or 140. What's something that's reasonable? <laughs> but the facts are there's rules. There's rules. The Bible's got rules. Uh, church has got rules. School's got rules. Everything's got rules. Rules suck, but rules are there. So if you want the benefit of that particular thing, you've got to understand the rules and you've got to play by the rules. This is how it goes. You can shortcut and you can cheat. Maybe you'll get away with that for a while. You'll eventually get caught and you'll get stripped of all the victories that you thought you had. So learn the rules. Um, and again, there's a scripture that says hope deferred. Hope deferred makes a heart faint. I want to add something to that. Often hope deferred becomes because you didn't really put in the right effort. You didn't really give it a go. You hedged your bet so that when it screwed up, you could just walk around. Well, it didn't work. Because I know that I can learn anything. I'm, I'm not a rocket scientist, but I could become one. I don't know what benefit it would be to me. I could blow some things up, perhaps. You know, you come over here to, to beautiful Port Lincoln. It's a lovely area. And, you know, Rob, the past, they're good guys. But you come over here and they stick you in a shed with two goats and a pig. <laughs> That's what they do. That's their green, that's their green room. Two goats, pig. And I, I was joking with him. I said, if that was me, mate, I'd have little lights that light up in their eyes in the middle of the night and put grunnings <laughs> and turn it into the house of terror. It does make you sleep a little bit nervously. You shut that door and you wonder what their plans are for you because previous guests are stuffed and stuck on the wall. 
So you really don't want to stay too long. Just sleep with an eye open. I'm not a shooter. Rob is obviously a shooter, unless he just bought those things from secondhand shops, which you can do. But I know that if I wanted to become a shooter, I could. I've just got to learn it. Uh, buy a gun or a few guns or import something illegal that's automatic. and <laughs> I, I could learn it, right? I could learn it. But the degree of my proficiency would de be determined not by the equipment I had, but by how much effort I put in. Yeah? So, so I don't, you know, if anyone competes in athletics, he's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules, but also he's not crowned unless he puts in his absolute best effort. He's got to, you've got to give it all. You've got to give it all. And I think sometimes we don't give it all. And then it's, it, the failure is actually like self-imposed or the lack of expected success. Self-imposed because really if you're being honest, you didn't give it actually a shot. And I think sometimes people step out in ministry like that. A little bit of prayer, a little bit of sort of faith that's almost fantasy. Well, God's in control. God's going to do this. God's going to do that. That's all great, but you've got to do some stuff too. You've got to do some stuff too. And if you don't do what you're supposed to do, God can still come through and do these ridiculous miracles and just turn, turn something out of nothing because God's really good at that. But who knows? I've got a little bit of a role and responsibility at that. And if I, if I believe God's calling me and I'm stepping out, well, hey, don't just step out. Jump. Jump two foot, burn bridges, blow the things up, and get right into it. Put yourself so far out on a limb that if this doesn't fail, we're really screwed. Because you'll probably work some things out like that. The, the branch might break, and you might start to fall, but eventually you will learn to fly, and it'll work. But if you don't get right out there and give it your best e effort, don't go crying about it later, you big girl. It's just you didn't put in the work. You don't get the reward. That's reality, right? That's reality. But then it goes on. It says, the hard-working farmer, uh, hard hard farmer must be the first to partake of the crops. So there's supposed to be rewards. There's supposed to be fruit. But it's a hard-working farmer, N not a lazy pig. It's a hard-working farmer that's learning all of the things he needs to learn, not just poking seeds in the ground and going to sleep and hoping they'll all grow. It's the, so we're, we're, there's supposed to be battle, because that's the army term. There's supposed to be battle. There's supposed to be warfare. We are supposed to win. You, you can't have a victory if you don't have a battle. So there's, there's warfare. It's a bit messy. It's a bit ugly. It's not quite what, what expected. You'll pick up a few wounds. You'll brush them off. You'll walk, you'll walk on. You'll eventually win. You'll, you'll learn the sport. You'll get the crown, and you'll produce some fruit. Only if you live with a sense of mission. Otherwise, you'll live with a sense of wonder. I don't want to live that way. I, I want to get some good, solid, gutsy victories and, and, and breakthroughs going, amen? So I've just, I'm the one that actually starts the process. And I'm the one that determines the, the level of my entry and the level of my commitment. And we can blame God till the cows come home. I'm in charge of my destiny. In most Christian circles, no, Jesus, who's, who's running your life? Jesus, Jesus, rubbish. Jesus only runs what you give him. He can take over at any time. And there are points in the Bible where he took over and he, he did stuff contrary to people's wills. Like he's not bound by our pathetic understandings of him. But I'm actually in charge of my destiny. 
But God lays a plan out. And God gives me inspiration and he equips me with the Holy Spirit and power and, and the kingdom of God is within me and all this stuff that's just phenomenal and beyond my understanding. I'm the one that releases it by my attitude, by my desires, by my decisions. Amen. So we can spend the next 50 years crying about the opportunities we didn't get and the, the recognition that we didn't get. We can do all that until the cows come home. It ain't going to change anything until we do something. Amen. And the good thing is that doing something, it's not all hard work. I mean, there's hard work in it, but there's some awesome rewards and some awesome victories. And God just does stuff that is just, wow. It's just about getting the thing going and getting the thing moving. Or just if you're already doing something, it's about amping it up a little bit. Amen? It is. So, so we're, all, we're all living or we're all going to start living or, or increase our concept of living with a sense of mission. We're going to understand there's some effort. There's some training, there's some practice runs that need to be done, but at the end of the day, we win. We win. It doesn't matter what it is. We win. There's, we don't ever come second. Second, third, what, that's nothing. What is that? That's nothing. That's not even a biblical concept. We win. We win every single time. God is good all the time. And he never fails. He has never failed. The one, the one thing God is really bad at is failing. He's, he's just never screwed anything up. Not once. So he's not going to start it with you or me. He just is good at winning. But the point is now, let's just bounce through. So, so let's just bounce thing, bounce through. So now let's go down to verse 10, chapter 2, verse 10. Right, so therefore I, Paul says, I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So Paul's saying, yep, okay, sometimes sucks to be me, but I'm doing this for others. I'm actually doing this for others because I understand this principle. The things that I've taught, I'm going to teach to you and you're going to teach to someone else. And this thing is going to get so out of control and it's going to go so far beyond me. So I'm happy to suck this up every now and then if I need to because what's in front of me is awesome. And I'm just going to have to carry this for a day, a week, a year, whatever. I'm going to walk with this. I'm going to limp. It's going to be hard work. I'm going to chew on some painkillers. But at the end of the day, we win. And at the end of the day, others win. So Paul is saying, therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also basically may have the victories I'm having. So again, for, for, for the average Christian sitting in a church uncertain about things, get over yourself because it's not about you. It's about what God wants to do through you. Amen? Suck it up, endure some hardships, do some difficult things, get in some, some discomfort because it's all about what God's going to do through you and then what God's going to do through them and the things just going to self-perpetuate. And hey-ho, presto, you get to your 80s and you've started a movement. Yeah? So, so Paul, he understands that. Paul understands it's not all about him. Of course, he, he, he knows what he feels. He knows what he sees. And yeah, it's not always nice, but he wins. And because he wins, others win. And so Paul's happy to go course and, and just do the journey. And it keeps going on. Let's, um, the, the, one of the issues, when you, see, when you look through the, the book of 2 Timothy or even 1 Timothy, you see all of the highlights, all of the good things, all of the victories, but mixed in that is all of the failures as well, which is the reason why all of us need to live with a sense of mission. So, verse 14, remind them of these things. Remind them. So now Paul's not even talking directly to Timothy. He's not reminding Timothy of these things. He's saying, remind them. Who? The others that Timothy is already reaching. Remind them of these things, charging them. So it's not all Timothy's responsibility. He's got a responsibility to charge them and to put responsibility on them, whoever the them are. So remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord, not to strive about words to no profit to the ruin of the hearers, but be diligent 
to present yourself approved to God, a worker, a worker, not a church member, a worker, not a waiter, a worker. We are on. We are going to live with our sense of mission that's instantly going to make us workers in the kingdom. I'm a worker with a sense of mission. You're a worker with a sense of mission. We're doing work. Amen? So present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And then it goes on and says, but, prof- but, but shun profane and idle babblings uh, because they are going to actually increase more godliness. And then it goes on, there's a, there's a message that's going to spread like cancer. He names a few people. He talks in verse 18 about people who have strayed. Who knows all that's happening right now? There's some really crap stuff out there in the religious world and in the secular world. Who knows that? There is some rubbish. There is some cancers that are spreading through, through society, through social media, through, through politics. There's some cancers. There's some crap. There's some rubbish. And I think that's actually escalating at a faster rate than the Christians are supposed to be propagating the good stuff. And in this whole pattern of this book, Paul is, uh, Paul is saying, hey, come on, you guys, pick it up, pick it up, pick it up, because there's a war that's being waged right now. Whether you're aware of it or not, there's a war that's being waged right now. There's idle stuff, there's profane stuff, there's rubbish inside, outside of churches. And guess what, guys? We're the answer, so let's get into gear. That's what Paul's saying in the whole book. It's a missions book. It's a missions book. Amen? You don't like certain things happening in Australia? Great. Change them. Change them. Get up, get active, get going and do something about them. Sit there, complain, cry, great, suck it up. It's nothing, you're just going to do that till you die. There's a war that's being waged and we're actually on the winning side, cowering, hoping no one looks at us. Come on, guys, we've got more than that, eh? We've got more than that. Like, we have all got more than that. I just got, all I've got to do, the Bible says, all I've got to do is arise and automatically I shine. So let's just get some people standing up. Arise and shine darkness then has to flee change has to come and it was as simple as stepping up to the plate on the day arise oh the shine's automatic i don't even have to try to shine i'm luminescent so it goes on and it says it it, it walks through some some negatives there um uh verse verse 22 we're still in the negatives it says flee also youthful not last useful last uh, pursue pursue righteousness faith love peace and uh and with those who call on the name of the lord out of a pure heart and avoid so we've we got to deliberately do some things we've got to deliberately not do some things you've got to play by the play the game by the book um and we, we avoid foolish and ignorant disputes knowing that they generate strife so we should not be as christians contributing to the issues in our country all the issues in your church. Let some other idiot do that. We are on the victor's side. We're on the victor's side, right? So avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. And a servant of the Lord must, be, must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach. Workers able to teach. Workers able to teach. Every single one of us is that. You, you may not be as fancy with, you, with your words as some. You may not be confident with a microphone, whatnot. But you all, you all know how to read. 
You're all born again. You've received revelations and stuff from, from God and from the Holy Spirit. You've got stuff in you. And, and you don't have to ever be up here and, and be a prolific speaker. But you're all able to teach the stuff that you've got. And we're all called to be a worker who is able to teach. Teach. Amen. We've got, I know, I mean, I'm not from the area. I'm an import. So sort of like I'm an alien, not a native species thing. And yeah, Michael would probably exterminate me in the park if he saw me, you know. But I know there's churches around here that need pastors and that need leaders. I know that because Rob has told me because he's trying to get me to take one. I'm not interested because I'm an alien. I'm an alien. But some of you people are not aliens. You're not imports. You're actually native species here. What's wrong with driving an hour down the road on a Sunday or a Saturday to preach at a service, make a few phone calls in the week to say get aid to people while you're running your normal life and kicking something into gear? What's hard about that? That's not rocket science. Now, I know ministry is a lot more than that. Um, but the reality is, it, geographically speaking, that's actually the solution to some of the pastoral requirements and needs around the area. It's about making a dozen phone calls during the week in between your lunch break and, and whatever. Totally live your normal life, work your job, don't need a wage off a church, drive an hour somewhere on Saturday or Sunday, two hours, three hours. What's that for an Aussie? Nothing. Nothing. Me and my wife drove from Ballarat to Sydney in a day and then drove back a couple of days later. That's nothing to Aussies. We do that. So that's actually how easy it is to fill all of the local churches around here with, with people that are a bit, little bit committed, focus it on praying for them, uh, connecting people. I mean, we could, we could sort some of those pastoral issues out without ever asking anyone in Adelaide to send us a preacher. Because when we did the hands up thing, when, the, when we did the hands up thing, they were mostly towards the front of the church and everyone at the back of the church, well, why don't you just take one of those on? Doesn't sound too hard to me. <laughs> we, could fix it in a, we could fix it in a week, I reckon. Fix it in a week because we're all supposed to live with a sense of mission. We're all workers and we're all called to teach and to preach and we're filled with the Holy Spirit and power and when we're victorious and God is good, he's never bad. So, hey-ho, let's... Get some pastors in some of those churches. Now, you might fumble along and you might really not know what you're doing, but you'll learn. <laughs> you'll learn. And if not, we'll bury her out the back and put someone else there. Whatever. It'll work. It'll work. And then it goes on. So, so verse 24 says, A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, and in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and so that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do their will. Again, it's all about others. God has got to get through you to others. And you are actually the solution for more people than you realize. More people than you realize. And it's not about me and ministry and a little bit of hardship and a little bit of suffering and I'm not really sure and I'm not certain, I'm not confident, I can't preach, I can't teach, I can't do all that stuff. It's about the people that are actually ensnared by the devil and the reality is they're going to hell. It's a little bit more than your issue because you're already here in church. You're good. You're going to cross the line. But wouldn't it be great to cross the line with a big group of friends? Amen. <laughs> A great big group of friends. And then you can stand on the door in heaven and just high-five people. <laughs> yeah, dude, you made it. Woo! <laughs> and, uh, you know, wouldn't that be good? I'd love it. The door on heaven's going to be awesome. I'm going to park there. It'd be great. 
But the reality is that we've got more ability to, to do that than we realize. Each one of us has. And everyone is actually a missionary. And we're all disciples who are to make disciples. Let's, let's just keep going on, right? So we, we're all good. We, we're on the same page. So who's, who's, what, what's the church we need? We should have had a list up here and we could have just started calling them out. People would put their hands up. We could have done that. Maybe we couldn't have, but we could have. We could have. I'm the guest. I could have done anything I wanted. We should have had that. We had a pin-up board. Could have auctioned them off, raised money for missions. And then in verse chapter 3, sorry, he goes on. Um, he goes on again and he's talking, about, you know, in the last days, perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves, blah, 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 blah. It's all quite negative and yucky. Uh, verse 8 names a couple of people, James and John Briz, da, 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 men of corrupt minds. Uh. And then verse 10, it says, but you. So he says all of this stuff is happening. That's reality. All of this stuff is happening, but you. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, my long service, long suffering, love, perseverance. He lists off some stuff. So, so Paul is saying, hey, all of this really bad stuff is happening. But hey, ho, presto, we can all rejoice and celebrate because you haven't got sucked into that line. And because you haven't got sucked into that line, I know that the people you're reaching aren't getting sucked into that line. So all of the bad's going on, but there is some serious hope and there's some serious good things happening. And guess what, Timothy, it's happening because of you. Now, it's not a pride thing, but I would love everyone to feel the feeling of knowing what it's like to start something from scratch. People getting saved, born again, people getting healed, demons coming out, people going off and starting churches and planning ministries, and that be actually because of you. That is, I can tell you, that is a nice feeling. And I'm not saying that in a prideful sense, right? Because we know that it's God that does the work. But at the end of the day, God does the work th- usually through people. And, uh, and so we now, we started in Manila 15 years ago, and we started with nothing at all. And every single one of our leaders, every single one of uh, our people that are currently pastors, every single one of our people that has planted churches, we led them to Jesus. And it's a great big sort of happy dad day watching your kids succeed. And I'd love more Christians to be able to feel that. And it's not the proud thing because you know it's God and if God doesn't do it, it doesn't get done. Um, but at some point, somebody's got to stand up and initiate the process. I'm here in Australia, been here for three and a half weeks. If you do go to that blog, you will see testimonies and stories that were updated last week. They happen when I'm not there because my kids are doing stuff. My disciples are making disciples and they're making disciples. And the thing, as I have said, you know, the thing is self-propagated to the point where other than being, they, they like to have me around, I am totally unnecessary and completely unneeded because the pattern has not been broken. The pattern has not been broken. Timothy, the things that I have taught you teach to faithful men who teach to faithful men. The chain hasn't been broken. And so the thing is self-propagating. And not only has the chain not been broken, the chain has been multiplied. Multiplied because this person is now doing it and this person and this person and this person. And so there's multiple chains going. And so I can be buried in Australia and there's still testimonies. There's still new churches popping up. There's still new Bible studies. There's still people getting saved. There's still miracles happening because it's not all revolving around the the little white God called Mark. Because I've made disciples. And I would love for you to be able to feel what that feels like it's sort of that really proud it's sort of like it's sort of like you you it's sort of like you're given you know you, you've grown up this child 
and they've gone through the whole licensing process and they've got their license and they've got their P's and you're just sort of nervously giving them the keys to the car. And it's sort of this, it's, 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 it's this happy, <gasps> and you know, don't drink cops, you know, the speed, you, you, you want your kids to grow and develop and grow and get in a license and the freedom, but don't crash my car, it's my car, it's my car. And, and so you sort of hand the keys over and you, you want that whole experience to happen for them because you know it's normal and it's natural, but it's my car. And it's a little bit like that with Manila. It's like, yeah, you're all doing really great, but it's my ministry. Don't break it. Please don't break it. <laughs> so you're a little bit nervous, apprehensive. Um, but who knows if you do the job well and if you raise your kids right, it doesn't happen, does it? It's good. And even if they do dent something, it's all fixable. It's all fixable. So, so it's, you know, it, so y- you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life manner of life see all the right theology in the world doesn't mean diddly squat if it doesn't hit the road and become something real correct manner of life manner of life um and then verse 14 again he talks a little bit about the evil men so all the way through this book is a threat of evil men and good you know and that battle that battle just wages now rolling it is is obvious uh, and then verse 14 says, But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing that you have learned them, and, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scripture. So it's about, you've you just got you to believe in the stuff that you've received, and you've got to believe in who you received it from, not necessarily in the physical sense as in a person, but you know, the facts are, for every, every, I'm assuming for most people in this room, Jesus saved you, and you know you're saved. And you can be assured you're saved. And the scriptures are real. And you read the book and it opens up to you. You get revelation. So you can have great confidence in the foundations that are already in you. Amen. You don't have to look with fear and trepidation at the things that are in front of you because they're irrelevant. When they come, you'll deal with them. You've got this far, right? Who's got this far? I mean, you're all here today, so obviously you've got this far. Hasn't always been smiling and happy, but you've got this far, haven't you? And you didn't know some of the things that maybe have happened to you in the last year or the two years. You, you didn't expect them, didn't particularly like them. You're still here. It's a miracle. Amen? You're still here. And you just step out and do something a little bit different tomorrow or next week or next month, or you'll still be there after that. And there might be some friends with you, some new people. Amen? Is you, the, the process, the ball's just got to start rolling. And um, I, really, I really do want to come back here one day and watch your videos. Not mine. Yours. Yours. Because, see, the deal is here. So you might have the best leaders in the world. Let's just assume you do. You have the best leaders in the world. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus, for the best leaders in the world. But the greatest potential is in the mass that didn't put their hand up. Just purely by weight of numbers. Statistically. So we've got to get some of that, we've got to release some of that potential. Um, and then it goes on. Let's just, we'll just finish with the last little, little passage. Um, so so uh, chapter 4. So I charge you therefore before the Lord. So who's he charging? He's charging Timothy. But we know already now that everything that goes to Timothy is going on to someone else. So it's not all just targeting Timothy. It all goes on to someone else. Everything. So I charge you therefore before the Lord, uh, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead, blah, blah, blah. Preach the word. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. So one of the things that we do, well, you know, back there in, um, in chapter 2, it talked about the hardworking farmer that must be first to partake of the crops. Well, I'm not a farmer. I did grow up in country Victoria, but we weren't farmer people. And, um, but I do understand that if you're a farmer, you've got to understand seasons. 
If you don't understand seasons, it doesn't matter how well you do everything else, you're pretty much stuffed, right? You're planting at the wrong time, doing all the wrong things at the wrong time. It just ain't going to work. You do all the right things at all the wrong time, nothing's going to happen. Um, and, but I do sometimes think that we, we can slip into that concept of seasons and we use the seasons as an excuse because I'm not in a season of fruitfulness. Well, the problem with that is I've come across a lot of people that have spent 20 years in barrenness. So when does the season of fruitfulness ever come? It's got to come, doesn't it? It's got to come. So we don't want to use seasons as an excuse for not, for not doing things. Because here, Paul says, you know, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. So there's no wrong season for, for, for ministry. There's no wrong season. You may do different things at different times, but there is no wrong season. It's always a right season. You know, at certain times of the year, you can hunt certain species where you can actually hunt men whenever you want. There is always open season. There's no bag limit. There's no size limit. You just don't have to throw any back. Ever. It's open season on the souls of men. And as you know, Rob, Rob said earlier about the devil doesn't fight fair, well, the, the reality is he doesn't. And so he's always had open season on the souls of men. Sometimes the church is a little bit reserved or individual Christians are a little bit reserved. Hey, it's open season. It's open season. There's plenty to be had. Plenty to be had. Don't throw any back. Get all of the short ones, the ugly ones, the deformed ones, whatever. Just grab them all and pull them in. And we're going to end now. So, so it says, so preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine according to their own desires. So it's a little bit negative. They'll turn their ears away from the truth, all that sort of stuff. That's happening. But verse 5, so chapter 3, verse 5 is where we're going to end. Then we're going to have some prayer. It says, but you be watchful in all things, endure the afflictions, which we've already mentioned, and do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Which means you've got one. Whether you know it or not, whether you see it or not, whether you understand what it is, you've got one. You, so you've, you've learned some revolutionary truths today. Number one, you're all missionaries. You've learned that you are the greatest percentage growth area of effective leadership in this church. Amen. You've learned that you're all workers. You're all called to teach. You're all called to preach in and out of season. And you've been encouraged, hey, you've got a ministry. You've just got to fulfill it. You've got to fulfill it. So again, at the start of the service, we had, you know, whatever, a dozen hands go up for leadership positions. And as we've said many times, the mass didn't put the hands up. And seriously, no judgment at all. But, but if that represents sort of the ministry or the ministries of the church, then we've still got a heck of a lot in reserve. And we've got more ministries. I'm not using the back rows as a, like, you know, sit on the back row. It's good. But in a set, we've got more ministries in the back row than we've got in the front row. Hence, we can fill all these churches around here with pastors, preachers, teachers, and leaders. Correct? Easily. Because everyone has actually got a ministry. And, and it's black and white here. Fulfill your ministry. Amen? But the point is, right back in, in, in uh, 2 Timothy uh, 2 verse 2, the things that you have heard from me, teach to faithful men who can teach to faithful men who can teach to faithful men so the challenge is where are you in that system if you're coming to church great you really are welcome you really are welcome and and it, this doesn't mean that everyone needs to run off this week and panic go and just 
make a ministry up and do something, although you're welcome to have a go at that. I, I'm very pro that myself, to be honest. But you don't have to. Um, but if you are just, and I say this politely, okay? I'm not the pastor of the church, so I'm really not trying to offend people. Although if I do offend you, I really don't care. And if I tell you like that and you get offended, you'll know, well, that was true what he said. So if you do just sort of see yourself as a member or someone who attends this church, I just want to say that's not enough. Ow. Ooh, I am going away, so you'll never hear, you won't hear from me for a few years. It's enough in the sense of salvation and eternity. You know, you're born again, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you love Jesus, you're not doing anything overtly wrong in your life. It's all good. But you, you get the point from, from what we just bounced through in 2 Timothy. There's so much more than that, isn't there? There's just so much more than that. And, and it really, when it comes to the things of God, I'm actually incredibly selfish and greedy. And I like free things. I like free stuff. Uh, and it, there's a lot of stuff on offer for me in the Bible. There's a lot of promises. There's, there's a lot of blessings. There's a lot of sowing and reaping, cause and effect. And so if it's there and I read it, I'm like, well, I want that. I actually want that. If no one else gets it, great. I'll put my hand up. I'm going to take that. Because there's a lot of good stuff that comes from just being sold out to Jesus and ministry. And it's ministries. So missions isn't what we think it is. It's living with a sense of mission. The missionary is not who we think it is. It's us. Uh, and the mission is everywhere. Amen. Let's all stand up. And we are going to have a, prayer, a bit of time prayer and, and ministry. Um, I really want to pray for people. And anyone can pray. You know, it's not about me praying for people. There's nothing special about my hand. It's just as sweaty and grimy as everyone else's. But I really do want to pray for people who just got that. They just, you really do actually have that sense in your heart, I'm called to something more than this. You don't need to tell me what it is. You don't need to, you know, fill up Rob's week with counseling appointments and stuff. But if you really, if you really feel like, yeah, I, I actually know. I actually know. I know. And it doesn't mean you're not doing something now. But if you really in your heart, you know, I, I just know there's, there's more for me than what I'm currently experiencing, what I'm currently seeing. I know there's more fruit. I know there's more favor. I, I know there's actually a ministry. I, I know that I'm called for something. You may not know exactly what it is. Well, it's all good. But I'd really love just to stick my hand on you and just say, God, just break it open. Just release it. And it doesn't mean it'll all start next month, you know. But but just for this, if you, there's seeds in people. It takes time for seeds to germinate and, and grow and for the harvest to come. But there's a harvest for everyone. Amen. So the musicians are just going to do what they do. Um, they're going to sing a song. And, and if you really want prayer, if you just think, yeah, no, that's me. I, I, I know there's more. I'm really not sure how to get it. Or perhaps you've stepped out in, in some leadership role or ministry role before. It didn't work. You got burnt. Well, okay, you need to get over that. You really need to get over that. And so I'd love to just stick my hand on you and just get that fire ignited again. And just say, boom, let's just launch this person. Amen. So thank you, guys. Um, Rob, just come down if you do want prayer.